Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome back to, was it episode six now? Yeah, it's episode six. Wow, uh, no, we're moving fast. I felt like it was yesterday. No, actually, it's fine. It's I guess five. It's six of the hours, but it's fine. The pilot episode doesn't count as a real episode, okay? And then this episode, we have a special guest. Because we like to present people with expertise, right? And solutions. And people with specialties that have knowledge and, you know, the problems that we're dealing with. And the whole point of Hacky Folly is we bring up these sub- these taboo subjects. And we have these experts and these people with the skill sets. And we bring them on because they're the educated ones. We're merely the entertainers, right? We just bring out the knowledge. We bring out the specialties. And this doctora, <laughs> this very special guest. Can you keep the hype up? Keep the hype up. This, this, um, this hajja. Okay, this, that's a little bit too far. <laughs> this, uh, this, what else did I, I, I said so many things about her sister that I, like, I'm running out of adjectives right now. She's special because she helped me in college. And she brought me closer to community. Oh, really? And we're going to dive into that. It's okay. Dr. Iman Musa. Everybody. Imagine and I golf club. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure, really. So can you tell just a little bit about you? I want to get into it and how you helped me early. But sure. what do you do? Who's Iman Musa? Sure. Um... Well, I want to also say I'm really excited to be here. I really believe in this podcast and what you all are doing. Thank you. Thank you. And um, so my name is Iman Musa. I was born and raised not too far from here in Belleville, Illinois. My parents are Palestinian, so I identify as a Palestinian-American or Arab-American Muslim woman, first and foremost. And I am a clinical psychologist. And so um, I did. I went to school here in St. Louis. That's where I met Mohammed, and I studied there as well. Um, I got my Ph.D. in clinical psychology. And a Ph.D. in clinical psych is sort of unique because it's both a research degree and a degree of clinical practice. So a lot of my studies had to do with doing research on mental health, specifically mental health for Muslim Americans, as well as learning about the practice of clinical psychology. And so some of my clinical interests, clinical specialties, I work a lot with anxiety, I've worked with substance use disorders, and I'm just broadly interested in Muslim mental health, which I can share a little bit more about, but it's a pretty big umbrella. And I work at Khalil Center now. Mm-hmm. which is a nonprofit organization. They describe themselves as a psychological, social, and spiritual wellness center. So they really take a holistic approach to health and mental health in general and um, focus on serving the Muslim community from a, an Islamic perspective is what their specialty is. Um, but I went a little farther from who I am, but I'm just talk- but no, as far okay. as what I'm doing right now, um, I can share more about Khalid Center, but but a lot of people come in for a variety of different reasons. Not all of them are looking for the Islamic perspective necessarily, but just kind of a culturally yeah. um, a cultural understanding to say that like these problems that I'm going through, I'm not sure if somebody who wasn't Muslim or somebody who wasn't Arab would really understand. I feel like it would be a lot to explain. I'm worried about like being judged you know, in that way. So they come for a variety of different reasons. Um, 
so that's uh, that's a little bit about what I'm doing right now. Mostly individual therapy. I do some psychological assessment and some group therapy, community engagements as well. I want to tell like a small story. Mehdi and I, we were at a Muslims of the World little book look, little book event. It, you know, they their uh, Instagram page they they share stories of Muslims around the world. Do you know about it? Yeah, yeah. So we were at the event and. The subject of mental health came up. It actually, we were talking about Islamophobia, which also you deal with as mm-hmm. well. We're going to get into that. And the subject of mental health came up, and it was just like everyone was asking questions. And it's not, it's not, I'm not uh, mad at that. It's it's fascinating at how much it was coming up. And this event isn't really meant to be about that. Mm-hmm. And this 14-year-old little girl raised her hand, and she's like, you know, I'm not Muslim, and I'm I'm not um, in your guys's culture, but I too, I struggle with this. And she was asking, you know, what can I do for my depression? What can I do for my anxiety? And she's just, just this little girl. She's like probably still in middle school. And I was like, we, this is why we have to do an episode on this because it's, and then like the taboo around it magnifies this effect that it's just like, it's insane. So when you, when you look at the problem, are you seeing it getting the tabooness shrinking? Or are you seeing it getting larger? Um, I think that it is shrinking. I think we're moving in a positive direction. And I think generally our society, there's been, just in America in general, there's more of a mental health awareness now. There's mm-hmm. been more advocacy for mental health. Even the fact that so many insurance plans will cover mental health treatment right now. That's new. That wasn't always there. That was because people advocated for that and said, hey, this is important. This is treatment that people need. So people are seeing that now um, that you can go to a mental health provider or a lot in a lot of my training, I worked within physician's offices because when people are not feeling well, often they'll go to the doctor. And that was a good place to say, hey, you know, you're here seeing your doctor. I wanted to ask you a few questions about your mood, about how you've been feeling. Mm. And this is also an important part of your overall health because a large majority of reasons that people even go to their physician um, have to do with mental and behavioral health, the way that they're living, the way that, you know, when you're feeling depressed, especially in our community, even people of color in general, Uh, we tend to express our symptoms more somatically through our body. We'll feel uh, aches and pains. We'll feel, even for myself, uh, I can tell a personal story that when I... that's what we love. Sure. So, and it's really ironic and it's really sad because I, when I started graduate school, I've always been a highly energetic person. And (laughs) when I'm like planning events, when I have things coming up, I get an excitement, a rush of energy, which I think now was a bit of anxiety but it, it worked for me for a lot of my life because it it drove me. Productive. It exactly. Pushes, you to do it pushes me to do what I need. But what happens with anxiety a lot of times is it gets to a point where it's no longer helpful. It's actually getting detrimental uh, to put so much pressure on yourself, to push yourself really, really hard, and to have really unrealistic expectations. So anyway, I started my graduate program right after undergrad, and I was starting my research right away. We were in a bunch of classes. And I started to experience shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. And it was just like an ongoing shortness of breath. It would come and it would go, but I'm like, oh, man, like, this is weird. Like, did I catch asthma? Like, what's going on? I, I, I didn't think of what it might be. And, you know, my mom has asthma. My brother has asthma. So I was like, maybe this is like a, a late onset kind of thing. 
I went to the University Health Center and I was explaining to her what was going on. I'm like, you know, I just like I've been feeling like my chest feels really tight and it's been hard for me to breathe lately. And I'm just really like scared. I felt like something was very seriously physically wrong with me. She was an excellent doctor. She did a lot of tests and made sure everything was okay with my heart and all of that. And then she asked, she's like, have you been under any under any stress lately? And I was thinking, I'm like, I I mean, I just started graduate school. I I don't feel super stressed, but it it has been kind of a big change. And she said, it really sounds like what you're experiencing is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all of your tests came out clear. You're physically, you know, everything's fine with you. But when you're under a lot of stress, your body will start to react in this way. And if you don't work on some ways to manage it, you know, it can really impact your health. And that was an eye opener for me that I'm like, I'm in this field. I'm studying it. And I didn't even think that this is what could be going on with me. Yeah. And. And so, you know, alhamdulillah, so like for me, what was really helpful, um, I didn't go into therapy at that time, but I did start exercising. I made some changes in my diet. I made some changes in my, um, just my schedule in general to make sure I was taking care of myself and not really overworking myself. And um, that was really, that was really helpful for me to manage that anxiety. But I, till this day, you know, I, I feel that anxiety. I think it runs in my family. And so I, I relate to my patients when they talk to me about what they're feeling. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of a personal eye-opener for me that even for myself, someone who's very aware of mental health, I'm just like, oh, no, this is fine. And you keep going and going and going. And then suddenly your body tells you, hey, this is, this is a lot. And yeah. I can talk – that's more of – I can talk more about that. But that's our fight-or-flight reaction that can exactly. come in even for – those mental threats. We feel like something's wrong. We feel like we're not doing enough. And our body is constantly on edge. Your body is is reacting. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Because actually, like, three or four months ago, literally the same thing happened to me. Like, oh, out, of, wow. out of all the, out of nowhere, I got that. I'm just like, but it wasn't on my chest. It was just pressure mm-hmm. on my stomach. Comes and goes in waves. And I'm like... I'm like, what? Is, what is this? I'm just like, it's like because I usually have I usually have uh, digestive issues, yeah. so I'm thinking, oh, this is just, I got a stomach ache. It's fine. I'll I'll get over it. But it was like sitting there. It's like a, it was like a hajar on my stomach. Yeah. And it's just like annoying. I'm like, I can't get like I have to I have to think about breathing. Mm-hmm. And it's just exhausting. And then it would come and then it would go and come and go and until like I just I just realized after enough time of dealing with it. Like maybe a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, this is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like this is what this is, and it just it came, and I didn't know until, like, I had to stop and be like, wait, there's something wrong here. Yeah. You shouldn't have to be focusing on your breath. Absolutely. This often, and people live with that for years, and they don't know. They just think, oh, this is just how I am, or this is just maybe everybody experiences this. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and they don't realize it. They don't realize, oh, you know, I didn't realize like other people don't deal with this, or other people don't, um, you know, have these kinds of like thoughts about themselves. Like, oh, I just constantly put myself down. Like, doesn't everybody do that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, unfortunately, a lot of people do that, but. 
there's another way, you know. Yeah, you get like used to the symptoms. Exactly, almost. exactly. Yeah. I guess it. I guess it's good it happened so fast to me because then I know like oh there's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's an issue. Yeah. So you you're so you're saying it's it's stress. That's what the cause of anxiety is. Well. The cause of anxiety, anxiety is basically... Yeah, can we define like these terms that we're going to sure. use? Sure, uh, you know, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. people use For them sure. in a lot of different ways. Right. And, and that's another thing that might be helpful to, to talk about. Kind of one of my pet peeves is when people are like, oh, this person's so bipolar yeah, and yeah. or like this person's so OCD. And they use these terms of disorders where it's like, that's not exactly what bipolar is. And bipolar mm-hmm. is very serious and for people who experience it. But um, anxiety... You can define it as the anticipation of something negative happening. Hmm. And anxiety comes in the form of worrisome thoughts. It comes in the form of our body's reaction to that. So I mentioned that fight or flight response. That's something that, um, you know, especially when I talk to Muslims about this, I say, and and just generally for people, that there's no such thing as good or bad emotions. Mm -hmm. All of our emotions have a purpose. Right, and they're valid. Exactly. They're they're valid and they have a purpose. And so anxiety for us, the purpose of it is to protect us. Our mm-hmm. body is kind of scanning our environment for anything negative, something bad that might happen so that we can protect ourselves. I said if I had no anxiety, I would close my eyes and walk across a freeway and yeah, I would just yeah. feel great. No, you wouldn't. You would feel really scared because your body is telling you, wait a minute, your mind is telling you, hold on, there's some danger here. Like, look yeah. across the street, make sure you're okay. There's, so our, there's a purpose for it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And even when our body tenses up, we're preparing for, you know, if there was a threat in front of us and we had to run away from it or we had to fight against it. That's why our breath becomes shorter. That's why our, our stomach, our digestive system mm-hmm. kind of pauses because you need all the energy you can to face this threat. Um, so it comes mm. through our thoughts. It comes through our body reactions and it comes through that emotion of, of fear. Um, and so... Hold on, I was going somewhere with that. You're, yeah, you're defining it. <laughs> yeah, so so there's a purpose to it, but the, the issue comes in is when we're constantly worrying. We're constantly focused on what is yeah. this bad thing that might happen. And the other issue is I'm talking about our body preparing us for some kind of physical threat. Most of our anxiety these days, what is it about? It's about right. school. It's about work. It's about our family. Sure. It's about things that we can't physically fight, but our body is responding in that same way. So so that's that's why you get that when you were talking about stress, like it's stress that causes that stress. You know, everybody faces stressors. Everybody faces like problems in their life. Um, But when we feel like maybe it's getting to the point where we're not coping with them, we need some help finding a solution. Your body is constantly going to be in that mode of the problem still there. I have to fight it. I have to respond. And so Mm -hmm. that's why that physical response comes up even to stressors that are mostly like mental emotional uh societal kind of stressors so how how do you deal with these anxiety depression is there like a coping mechanism that you give and especially for you since you work at the Khalid center yeah yeah how do you address these absolutely so um so my training i use a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy, there's a lot of research behind it that supports that it's effective in helping people cope with issues of anxiety and depression and a variety of other problems. And essentially what it looks at is um, what are some of your patterns of thinking? So that's the cognitive part. Mm -hmm. How you're thinking, how you are behaving, what are you doing? And that body response, 
how does that all play into how you're feeling and how do those things all interact with one another? So like an easy example is someone who might come in and say, I just feel embarrassed all the time when I'm around other people. I feel so embarrassed and I feel so anxious. And it makes it really hard for me when I'm in social situations. Social anxiety is really common, like family gatherings. I just feel like I don't want to talk to anyone. I feel so quiet. I isolate myself. So, okay, what do you what do you tend to think about when you're in those situations? So CBT, another thing is it's really present focused. A lot of people, there's a lot of myths about, uh, you know, therapy that when I come in, I have to dive into my childhood and talk about all my memories. And that can be helpful. Like, I'm not at all um, putting that aside. Actually, even when I use CBT, we usually end up talking about you have these thoughts and these beliefs about yourself. Where do they come from? And then the present focus is now, well, how, how can we shift that? How is that not helpful for you anymore? And how can you try to start thinking in a different way? So if you're so if you're always embarrassed around people and you're thinking, you know, oh, nobody likes me, what I say isn't going to matter, people aren't going to listen, that makes you feel really nervous, uh-huh. that makes you feel maybe, makes your body react, you're a little sweaty, and now you're like, can people notice that I'm sweaty? Oh gosh, I, I got to yeah, leave, yeah. I got to get out of here. So we would look at that and say, you know, some of those thoughts you're having that like people don't like you, people don't want to hear what you have to say, or that you're going to like embarrass yourself, you know, how, how true are those for you? How helpful are those? Can we shift those to something more positive? Um, or, or what are you doing? If you tend to always feel like, well, I'm so scared to, to go to this event, I'm just going to stay home, or I'm going to go and I'm not going to talk to anyone, you're not getting that practice of like actually sharing with others, actually like proving to yourself, showing to yourself like, hey, you know, if I if I talk to people, they, they do listen. Or if I say something stupid, it's like not the end of the world. Like things things go on. So you're like talking people through this. Sort yeah, of so logical. Exactly. So we're making a plan. So like there's that that logical thought process, or there's mm-hmm. even that that idea that a lot of times we can't control our thoughts when they um if we've been thinking some way for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, we some people have a a tendency to think of the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. My mom. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Arabi moms. A lot of Arabi. My mom will always. They're masters say, of that. You know, if you go out, what if what if something bad happens? What if you get in a car accident? What if this? Yeah, all those things can happen. But there's important things I want to do in my life. There's things I want to do in my life. So. It's like being aware of that. Are you letting those thoughts get in the way? Like if you always, whenever you want to start, like if you guys want to start this podcast and you're like, oh, what if it's horrible? What if no one watches? What if this? And then you just didn't do it. You know what? It just clicked in my head. So you focus on the cognitive in hopes of changing the behavior. Well, I focus on both, honestly. I focus on the cognitive and I focus on the behavior because sometimes I'm like, sometimes you have to just do it first. Isn't it DBT? Um, so DBT is about distress tolerance. It is. It's about um, you're going to feel uncomfortable emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so CBT is more about, like, can you change the thoughts? Mm-hmm. And I think that's valuable in a lot of ways. Uh, DBT, a lot of uh, comes from, like, well, yeah. okay, you're going to feel anxious. And, and even some CBT, you're going to feel anxious. Yeah. All right. Like, just just sit with that for a little bit. Just, like, experience it in order to move yourself closer to to your goals, toward what's important to you. I feel... I feel anxious a lot. Like I felt anxious coming here today, but I think you know talking about these things is really important. So so it's important not to let let that fear get in the way of, of doing things that matter. See, that's why we brought you this breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Just eat your anxiety away, and you're gonna be fine, dude. Matthew pulled out like cross and khiyar, bandura. We got tea. The full out of breakfast. Watch it on the video. It's crazy. <laughs> But can, can I just, can we do a quick role play? 
because <laughs> because seriously, I do have okay, sure anxiety, and it comes sure. and goes, and I I know how to manage it. Um, it's always our podcast is always about being open, personal experiences, right? Yeah. It's, it's more engaging that way. So let's say I'm coming to you for anxiety, which you you specialize in. Mm-hmm. So how does, let's 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 do it. Just like. Sure. Get a little rundown. I mean, I would. What are some of the things that make you anxious? When do you notice yourself feeling anxiety? Oh, sure. Um, see, that's interesting because I don't know where it's coming from. Okay. And it feels like I don't actually. uh, It doesn't feel like I'm actually stressed Mm -hmm. because I don't have that much responsibility in life. Like I don't have kids. (laughs) I don't. I'm not married. Like I have a home, Mm -hmm. good family, a job. Mm -hmm. So it's strange. I don't know what it. I think I might be like you where I am putting a lot of pressure on myself and mm-hmm. don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't really identify the exact, like, what is causing it. Yeah. You know, being in traffic, that gives me anxiety. Being it's, in traffic brings up a lot of sucks. stress for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously if we were in therapy, it would be a little bit different. <laughs> Why <are I> checking <laughs> but, <laughs> what, like, you know, Help a me, lot Dr. of times Musa, there's a, how do you know you have anxiety? What do you notice about yourself? Shortness of breath. Okay. So it's like a, and it's a, physical a pressure on the you. stomach. Yeah. 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 Um, it, you know, typically we would talk about like, when did it start for you? When did you notice it starting? Three months ago. Okay. Three, well, it, it happened a couple weeks after I lost my job at okay. TD Ameritrade. Okay. Well, I was going to ask what was going on three months ago. Yeah, that's what happened. So that was probably a difficult time for you. Yeah, I guess it, it was. <laughs> I didn't let myself, I guess I didn't let myself realize it. Yeah, yeah. And but, I mean, I got a job now, so why is it still there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a better job. I like it more. Alhamdulillah, like, that's awesome. That's really good. I think, do you feel like you you didn't give your chan- uh, yourself a chance to, like, really feel those emotions that came up for you at that time? Yeah, she's right. <laughs> like, like hey, a lot you, of times you need to process things. Maddie's laughing. Don't laugh at so, me, sir. Can you get out of my no, therapy it's, it's, session? And, and that's Could like, you get out of my therapy session, bro? So, but it's true. Like, a lot of times we do. And, and I think, again, like, there's always value. There's a spectrum in everything. I think that's really important to talk about. And that's part of this. Like, there's a lot of reasons there's stigma around mental health. But um, there, there's really a spectrum of, like, these, like, everyday problems that come up and then serious mental health issues. Um, and even with the, with the way that we handle things, like, some people are very problem solvers. There's a problem. I got to fix it. I got to move on. Yep. Um, and we don't want to feel the emotions at all. And I, I actually, I kind of noticed that you had, that you had like some sort of anxiety from it. Because whenever you mm-hmm. would come over all the time, you'd, you know, you'd just be like down a little bit. You know, you don't want to talk about work or anything. You just, every time I bring it up, like, you know, how was work? Did you find anything? Are, are you applying? You just completely avoid it. Like you would just, oh, no, I'm just looking. And then you would just yeah. talk about something else. And I wanted to be that supportive friend, you know, and ask you these <laughs> things, but I don't want to bring you more anxiety because I feel like the more we talk about it, like the more anxious you'll get. Yeah. yeah. But it was at I that point it. it was embarrassment. Yeah. I, was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. But yeah, for I sure. I definitely, I, could, I think, I think you're on to something here where I didn't let myself feel it. Okay, it's my turn. Can I, can yeah. I start a therapy yeah, session? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh at you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be a little vulnerable this time. Um, Heck yeah. So over the summer, I went to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And this is going to revolve around the question that I'm going to ask you. And one of the questions that she asked in the very beginning, um, how does spirituality play into who you are? Mm-hmm. And is it a, an important part of your life? And I thought that was a weird question to ask because I didn't expect 
religion to play a role into like why yeah. I was feeling the way I was feeling. Yeah. But and I, I mean, I said like you know I'm fairly practicing. I don't think religion plays a huge part in my life. Mm-hmm. And she just like avoided it. I don't know like she what she was. She didn't ask me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I like that question just continues keeps coming back like you know why did she ask that yeah. i mean i know you work at the Khalid center and like you know yeah. addressing these issues for muslims is a, is a huge part so how yeah. does being muslim play the role in how you treat mental health yeah certainly and so i think you know spirituality is something that uh to like therapists will ask about because for a lot of people it can bring an area of strength it can bring an area of how we understand a lot of the difficulties that we go through in life um and at Khalid Center, it's interesting because I usually will ask people, um, you know, what made you come to a Muslim therapist? Like you mm. had the choice to go or what made you come to Khalid Center, you know, out of all your options? And for a lot of people, they will say that, you know, Islam is really a lot of our clients. And this might be the community that we're in, but religion is very central to them. It's a very central part of their life. And sometimes even, actually oftentimes, they seek spiritual support before they even come to us to seek the mm-hmm. mental health support. Wow. And so for, for them, spirituality is very important. And some people will even say, like, I really wanted somebody who will incorporate, me, like, some of that Islamic perspective or somebody who... Um, you know, will help, will, will counsel me in a way that's Islamically sound. That's an, this is going off topic of your question, but that's a big myth too, is like, if I go to a therapist, like what if they tell me something that's against my beliefs or against mm-hmm. um, what I believe in? And I think that like most well-trained therapists aren't going to, they're going to ask you those questions to see like, what's important to you? How are you understanding this problem? Um, so that they don't advise you in a negative way. But I've heard a lot of stories of um, people who come in, like, for example, a woman was having difficulties in her in her marriage. And she said that, and, and everyone has personal biases uh, for their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. That comes up for me, too. You just have to kind of watch yourself with it. But she said she was having some issues in her marriage, and she went to a non-Muslim therapist, and she felt like she was really being counseled or encouraged in the way of, like, divorce, basically. Of like, oh, kind of like okay. leaving him or how to, sh- and, and, and that's not what she wanted. She, she said, you know, yeah. she, I felt like she didn't understand. It was really important for me to stay in the marriage despite the, the issues I was having. Right. And so she said, you know, I really thought uh, a Muslim sister would, would understand, understand that a bit more. And that's a cultural aspect of mm-hmm. it. Exactly. And then is that, is that like addressed to like, you know, therapists and psychiatrists today, like know these like the culture issues and the religious issues and how much they play a role into like someone's mental health and Mm -hmm. i mean so honestly sometimes they do and sometimes they don't like my advice for if you are uh, an arab or muslim seeking psych like a therapist and you're concerned about that you know you might want to and, and it can be a little bit awkward but like maybe even ask your therapist like um you know how familiar are you with islam how familiar are you with the arab culture because um they may not know a lot. And and sometimes, mm-hmm. and I've even seen people where like, I'm not familiar at all um, with their culture. I will always try to do my own research because I feel like it, it shouldn't really be your job as the, the client to like educate me. 
But I'll always ask the person, even if they're Arab, even if they're Palestinian, they assume that I understand them. They might have grown up in, in quite a different way than me. So I'll ask, like, you know, what what does your culture mean to you? How does it how does it play a role in your mm-hmm. life? Yeah. You know, I, I, I have asked that question before, because for a lot of people, it's like, well, yeah, it is really important or um you know, cultural things that come up in terms of family values. Like I work with a lot of young adults who are having some trouble balancing that idea of, you know, you're an adult now, you're trying to build your own life, but you're living with your parents. Um, You know, you're following these house rules. It gets kind of complicated. Um, And and it's still very important to them to, to maintain those relationships, to maintain that respect for their family. So how do you balance that in a way where you're not violating your your values of respecting your parents, but also you're trying to kind of form this life on your own? Um, so I feel like in some ways, like for me, it's for, for an Arab or for a Muslim, it's easier to understand that. Um, so I feel like I got off track of your, to- of your yeah, question no, again. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, but I want to add, I didn't, I don't think I knew, Matthew, I don't think I knew when you went to therapy. Did you tell me? No, I didn't. This is actually the first time. This is breaking news, folks. Was it a how was your experience? If you don't mind sharing, like, do you Um, feel like it was helpful for you? It was super helpful, especially me being me, because I feel like I don't share anything with a lot of people. I'm like kind of like a one man army. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I function on my own. I don't ask for any help or support from anyone. He's a stoic. And with my dad passing away and having to take care of like my brothers and their mental being and stuff. It took a lot of toll on me, and I needed some, like, you know, just, like, just let it out. Just yeah, someone to hear absolutely. me out. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll just go to uh, <laughs> the psychologist here and the therapist here. And Wait, who we, was it? It was here at Slow. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. At the university. So she brought up culture and then didn't, or not, she brought up your religion and spirituality, but didn't so they, touch they, on they it So they walk again? you in, and then you go into this room, and, like, you go on the computers and like you know you fill out your information and stuff and that was like one of the questions there and I looked at it for like a little bit I'm like why is that important and I just click like fairly practicing and then when I walked in I guess you like printed out mm-hmm. like what I, what I answered and then she asked me the same questions again okay and I asked her like you know why why is that important and then she was like I'm it's just asking just a question just to make sure like you know where you're coming from and stuff mm-hmm. and how you're feeling but I went there twice and then she emailed me back like hey you want to come back again and stuff you have like ten free sessions with slow mm-hmm. I'm like yeah sure. Yeah, and I'm it helped. It, 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 it helped a lot. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it was. Yeah, a good experience for because you. Because here's, this is what opened my eyes. So, as soon as my dad passed away, um, my younger brothers, Mr. Muhammad, he's 18 years old. He was super close to my dad. Mm-hmm. And as soon as my dad passed away, I literally like you know after we took everything at the hospital, I went, ran straight home and I broke the news to him. And like, I expect him like you know to cry or whatever, but he showed no emotions whatsoever. Like, Graham was a complete denial. Mm-hmm. So one of my really good friends, his father is a physician, and he came to our house, like, right away. And then he's like, look, he's going to go through four stages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's shock, denial. Um, anger. Uh, yeah, anger, and then reali- realization or something. Mm-hmm. He said he's going to go through these phases, and then, you know, he told me, like, he gave me tips of, like, you know, things to, to watch out yeah. for. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm watching my brother, like, you know, just going through in and out. And he was getting super worked up about having people over our house. Mm-hmm. He just wanted, like, no one. Or he just wanted, his, that's his space. That's his safe space. He just wanted no one there. Yeah. And my other brother was a complete opposite. He wanted all his friends around him right. for support. And I noticed these things. I'm like, 
God, like I need to like, you know, bring it up, talk about it with both of them mm-hmm. to like, you know, so they can have a balance or like, you know, make sure like they're both taking care of each other. So I addressed him like, okay, this is your brother wants to deal with it this way. Your mm-hmm. brother wants to deal with it that way. So we have to work with each other to make sure, you know, we're, we're both happy. And then seeing that, I'm like, okay, like I'm doing all this for them. Like, you know, what about me? taking care of them for sure. So and that's why like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go and see this psychologist or therapist and talk about it. It's so interesting how different people react differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. And like need different things and grieve differently. I think that's a lot of like with grief, it's just like, there's no really wrong way to feel or wrong way to deal with it. Like you said, people need different things. And a lot of times we forget that like, yeah, I need to take care of this for myself too. So that's wild. I wanted to ask you with the, with therapists. So -hmm. you found it beneficial. Yeah, I did. Well, why'd you only go twice? The third time she you're... emailed me, she said, Do you want to come back again? I said, Sure. She and initiated. I mean, I wouldn't have went. You didn't show up? Mm-hmm. You just... I, I went. I showed up. Wait, the, the third time? The second time. Okay, but you only went. The first twice. time. Yeah, the first time I went by myself. I initiated it. And then she emailed me like the next day. She was like, Hey, if you want to come in again, you have yeah. like 10 free th- I, I would love to talk to you and see you again. And so I went. Why'd you stop at two? I don't know. I mean, she gave me like some things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Like what? Uh, she told me to talk to my friends, um, do an activity, and, you know, just, like, schedule my time and my routine and just, like, have, like, not a distraction, but, like, do something with your with your free time, like, something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Healthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? With my anxiety, hot yoga for me. <laughs> do you want to talk like, about that? I want to talk about that, dude. We did hot yoga yesterday. Oh. Because way, like, yeah, we did. We had we had a nice little date yesterday, and, and we got a, a Kai Bowls. It was cute. We got yogurt. You ever had the Brazilian yogurt? Thing? I haven't tried that. You should do hot yoga and then go get in a Kai Bowl. Okay. And you will be so happy. I swear to God. So I had done hot yoga, like, a couple times way back when. And I remember it was a great experience. Like, you just feel relief, and you just feel loose, and just... Mm-hmm. Just open. You just feel happy. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a high. And when these when this anxiety came back, I was just like, "What can I do to at least dampen this? Because mm-hmm. it's just bugging me so much." So I went and did hot yoga. I do hot yoga, yoga six, and I did it for two weeks straight. I did like three or four times a day each week. Oh, that's a lot of hot yoga. That's a lot of hot yoga. It's freaking <laughs> it's a exhausting. Lot. Yeah. Oh my it's god, so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> and. Well, after that two weeks, like it was almost negligible. I could barely even tell. Right. Like I almost forgot. Like I had it. Like that's how fast it worked for me. And I know for me personally, if I change, if I do physical activity, for me, it's it's been a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. It's I've, it's always yeah. been yeah, something sure. yeah. I do. It helps me a lot. Yeah, definitely. I I think like a couple of things. Sometimes it we do just need to talk about how we're feeling that's a part of like just letting it all out letting that out and and allowing yourself to feel it and then there are like some solutions of just well how do how do I then take care of myself maybe not everyone wants to talk all the time but if you have that like okay this physical release this or this is something that makes me really happy or sharing this with my friends and then I realize other people understand and I'm not in it by myself um and just like building that in as a lifestyle See, as adult men, we don't like to talk about it. 
It's hard. You know, like, it's, I was going to say that it's so hard, especially for that's something like especially for men when they come in just being like, wow, I'm like here in therapy. Like, I just never thought I would be here. And, I said the same exact thing. Yeah. And she was yeah. like, you're brave for coming here. And she was like hyping me up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing what we do. She's doing exactly. exactly. That's what I got that from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, so yeah. he told me he was stressed. And I was like, bro, hot yoga. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> He's kind of looking at me sideways. I'm like, dude, just trust me. You stretch in a room, 115 degree room, for an hour with like 20, 30 people around you. Wow. And it's just like a flow and it's getting more and more intense and you're breathing heavier and heavier. And then like at the end, like a 15 minute meditation. Tell me you didn't feel like a new baby afterwards. <laughs> like you just felt loose. It felt like, it was an amazing feeling. It's, we, it's would, crazy. We're going to do it again today. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, No, that's great. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this class. <laughs> it's gonna be so tiring. Yeah, Wait, you better for, drink, for drink me, the water. For me, usually like I bike a lot. Okay. And that was like my therapy. Yeah. Like as soon as like you know I'm stressed or school or you know family stuff, I'm like just take this my bike and just do like 15, 16 miles mm -hmm. around St. Louis. I just come back like I'm good again. And then like I stop because you know winter and stuff and like yeah. I just got busy and maybe that's a lot of like yeah. my stress and for sure came from. But winter can be brutal. It is. It's harder to find those things. Like yeah. just being outside and in the sunlight, that's oh, like yeah. a mood booster too, yeah. for sure. For yes. sure. But you you guys are so right. Like I th I mean the mind, the body, the spirit, all of that's all connected. Yeah. Sometimes we See, need that like physical because exercise too. Let's, let's, you know, let's get more taboo. Okay. How do you feel about are you okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm good. Okay. This is great conversation. I appreciate you guys sharing all of this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This feels good. No, for sure. I this mean, like I'll our even own therapy session. I've, I've been, since we're all sharing, like, I've been to therapy too. Really? Yes, I have. It was um, toward the end of my graduate school, and there was just a lot going on for me, um, you know, personally, and I was approaching my residency and thinking about, like, am I going to move out of my house for the first time? And there was a lot around, like, where my parents wanted me to apply, mm -hmm. where I was thinking of going, just a lot of different things. And I did go see a therapist. And it's really funny because I actually felt like she wasn't culturally understanding at all. Wow. Um, and, like, there were a lot of things that I told her I was Palestinian. She kept confusing it with Pakistan. Oh, no. <laughs> at that point, <laughs> you're done. You should have just swatched out. More than one time. More than one time. Like, she's like, oh, have you ever been to Pakistan and this and that? And I'm like, lady. I already told you this you so many it? times. <laughs> and just a couple of other, like, even certain things that she recommended to me. I could feel, like, kind of that feeling that she was maybe stereotyping me a bit. But oh, Did you give her a background of, like, who you are and what you do? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Said, so I'm, with knowing all these things, she's still... Yeah, I mean, weird. I feel You're like, like it was You're like, I'm Dr. Iman Musa, I have a PhD. Well, no, no, no. This was this. when I was a student still. But, like... Oh, okay, okay. You know... It was just interesting. She wasn't the most culturally sensitive lady out there, therapist out there. Mm -hmm. um, there were a few other blunders. But what was interesting was I still felt so much better after talking to her. Wow. Because, like you said, it's just that feeling of, like, this is you just need this space sometimes mm -hmm. to just talk about you. And, like, to not worry about, like, that person is there to help you. And a lot of times it's like if you go to someone else, you're like, oh, I don't know. What are they thinking about me? And um, you just need that space to be completely open and to just have somebody listen and help you. And for me, it was a lot of like working through things for myself. Like I was just like, you know, this is the option. What do you think of this? She gave me a few suggestions. 
Um, but it was super helpful, like despite some of her stereotypical comments or mistakes. But I just felt like she really listened. She was very warm. And um, I was same. I was like two or three sessions. And I feel like, okay, that was that was helpful. I'm getting back on track. Yeah, I'm back on track. So um, two or three sessions. huh? Did you have a question? Sorry, yeah. No, go ahead. I wanted to I wanted to tell you my reservations on therapy. Okay? Sure, yeah, absolutely. I want you, I want you, I want your thoughts. I'm scared if like I go to therapy, I'm going to get someone awful or someone terrible, someone mm-hmm. not good at their job. And it's going to like make me worse or ruin my experience or just not give not give me the benefit that I want. And I'm scared of that, so I don't want to put myself in that situation that I've created mm-hmm. in my head. Is that a reality? Are there really like actually bad counselors or is everyone pretty reasonably good at their job? Yeah. So to be a licensed therapist or a licensed counselor or licensed psychologist for that matter, you have to go through a lot of training and mm-hmm. a lot of education. So there are some barriers there that, that protect you. But at the same time, you know, it's, I'm not going to say everyone out there is excellent. My advice would be for whatever issue you're going through, um, seek somebody who, if you go on, there's a website called Psychology Today, and it has a directory of therapists, and you can search some keywords of what you're looking for. So go to somebody who has experience working with the issues you're dealing with. Try to get a referral, maybe from someone you trust, like a mm-hmm. physician or somebody who knows, like, oh, people have had good experiences. People have ratings online now sometimes. Wow. But my other, um, my other advice is, like, if you go for a couple of sessions and you don't feel a connection or you don't feel comfortable, you know, you could bring that up with a therapist. I always tell people, be assertive with your therapist. Like, if they're – I had one um, woman who – Actually, I've had a couple of people come in and say, I felt like my therapist was kind of just listening to me and she wasn't really giving me any advice. And I really wanted some yeah. like, what do I do? And that's actually something in our culturally, when we go to a therapist, we want some solutions. We want something directive, something structured. A lot of therapists, some therapists are pretty unstructured and they'll kind of listen for a while. Okay. And they'll, and, and maybe this will go on. <laughs> and, and maybe like once every session, they'll like, ask you a question or like give you sort of well maybe try this and some people especially arabs like we're this is actually research is done on this when we go when we go to a therapist we're looking for something more like structured of like what do you think i should do in this situation so i'll ask people like or i'll tell people be assertive with your therapist like let them know and i've had people let me know and i'll tell them if something's not working for you in therapy let me know what's been helpful what hasn't like, let them know I'm looking for something more structured or like I really I, I'm looking really for a solution. I know I've been talking about my problem for a while. I'm really looking for like, what do you think I should do? And therapists oftentimes will be like, well, I can't tell you exactly what to do. But, let you know, here's here's some of my ideas. What are some of your ideas? Let's let's make a plan together. I'm very um, I'm what am I trying to say here? I do like to be very proactive, especially if the person is in some people come to therapy and they're lacking motivation and they need help building motivation to take changes. Other people come in and they're like, I'm ready to change. I just need some structure around it. Mm -hmm. So I will. So going back to your question, like I'll let people know if you don't like what the therapist is doing out of respect for the therapist, maybe let them know, like maybe they can adjust what they're doing to help you get where you want to go. If you do that and they're not responsive or you feel like things are the same, you know, you always have the option to find someone else. And mm-hmm. don't feel stuck with someone because therapy is a lot, I think, um, 
the connection can be really important. You want it to be someone you're open with, you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes you just don't feel that. And I've had people tell them they didn't feel as much of a connection with me. And I don't take it personally because I want you to feel comfortable and I want you to feel connected. And mm-hmm. sometimes no. that's just not there. So, no, that's good so I would say, yeah, try to talk to your therapist. And if that doesn't work out, you know, seek someone else, mm-hmm. seek someone you, you feel comfortable with, because that can make the world of a difference of seeing somebody yeah. 10 times and you feel like I'm not going anywhere or I just don't really, I'm not comfortable with this person versus you could see someone a few times and like, they get me. I got yeah. it. You know, that's good. But I saw so, your, your yeah. eyes lit up a little bit, Mehdi, when, when I was talking about that. So when, when, when I went to, um, to this therapist, she literally, like, I, f- I figured out like her structure, mm-hmm. like after like 10, 20 minutes, she would ask me a question. And she would wait for my response. Then she would go back and say, your mental well-being is the most important thing here. And then she would build on to what I said. Mm-hmm. And then she would ask me another question again. And then she kept doing that, like, mm-hmm. the whole entire session. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was, it was, like, very repetitive because, f- like, I was waiting for it. It wasn't, yeah. like, you know, it wasn't random. It wasn't, like, Where's the just, human connection? What am I? Just, yeah, it was just, like, I felt like, like, like she had a fucking well, list. yeah, I understand. And then she was going one by one. It was like a script. Yeah. Here's another. Yeah, and and that is very common at your first meeting. Was this mm. your first? And, and that, that was my first one. So that <laughs> might be helpful for. I will usually tell people when I meet with them first because it's very important for us to do an assessment of of what's going on before we just like start the intervention. Imagine if you went to a doctor and they're like, "Try this medication," <laughs> before oh, they work? even. <laughs> you like what's happening what's your situation so that first meeting often yeah i'll tell people i'll say this is different than what typical therapy looks like i'm going to be asking you a lot of questions today some of them may seem relevant to you some of them may not be relevant and that's okay these are just the questions that i like to understand about someone before we make a plan together So that is, I like to kind of demystify therapy because some people are like, what is this hocus pocus magic that you're doing? Um, It's witchcraft. So like, so, so I, I understand that. And and I do, I actually feel like sometimes like, oh, I know this, especially for Muslims, they're like, I'm going through a crisis, help me. And you're just like, tell me about where you live and like, what, like how many siblings do you have? But like, how important is family to you? Right, exactly. But like all of those things end up being important and really understanding a person and how to work with them so that first meeting and for some therapists it's the first couple of meetings is just like getting to know getting you to know getting to understand you so that's another point that i i should have said in my answer to muhammad too is give it some time give if things feel a little bit like okay mm-hmm. i'm not really getting what i wanted give it at least like two or three sessions because a lot of times the person before they make a plan with you they, they want to understand what's going on okay earlier you said therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. is that what it is is this building that relationship can you just define that real quick yeah the therapeutic <laughs> relationship it's the relationship between the client and the therapist it's one that's often you know we try to define it with with genuineness with warmth just that basic like you um it's it's non-judgmental. You're trying to just understand the person, build a relationship with them, build something with them where they can be open with you and then eventually and then where you can also, I mean, I think if you're just going to a therapist and they're just listening to you and they're not telling you anything, that's not really good therapy. When you really have a comfortable re- relationship with someone, I can say like, Muhammad, like why did you why did you do that when you you told me like you know the hot yoga was going so well like why did you stop going? Mm. And you know if you maybe to be able to say or like well 
to be able to basically call you out right. when when there's maybe something that It'd be real. You're yeah, like if you're going back into an unhealthy pattern or if you are maybe avoiding some emotions to be able to say like, well, hold on a minute, like what? Why'd you do that? Like, you know, we've been talking about this. Like, so to have that relationship where you're comfortable talking to me and I'm comfortable telling you, you know, th- this is what this is where I see that you. This is where I, I think you could have done something differently. And and how can we adjust that for the future? So you said to you, it's very genuine. Yeah. How invested are you in these kind of relationships? Do you think that sometimes you might see some sort of like parallel between like your relationships with like the people around you, like the problems that they're having? You might see some sort of clues or something there. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I mean, oh, go, no, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. I am invested in the people who come to see me. And like I said, I think it's such a big trust that they put in me and such a big responsibility that that I have and and I really do come to like genuinely care about these people especially especially the Muslims and the Arabs because you really relate to them true, you know true. and they really tell and they'll tell me like sometimes like you know please make dua for me and and I really will remember them in my dua like I'll think about it and I'll be wow. like you know inshallah this go like I, I pray this goes well for this person or like if I know yeah. they have something coming up I'm like I hope this is going well for them right now so, you know, without you have to put some boundaries in your right, life. Right, exactly. But um I, I really do and, and I, I recognize my limits, you know, especially I'm meeting with this person one hour a week. I can't control what's going on. I can't fix all their problems. Like oh. that's important to say, like I do what I can in this moment and then when I leave the building, like I'm just Iman. Like I'm not you know, I, I can't like constantly be thinking about all these issues or else then I would end up oh, yeah. falling apart. But I do, like I, I truly do um invest into that relationship and I try and you know you have to give your full attention when that person is there um but the second part of your question was interesting oh as far as like reminding me of of did you say my own relationships yeah 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 I mean I think like for every therapist it's important to recognize sometimes your own issues will be brought up in the room and um and how are you managing that so like as a therapist sometimes it's important to have your own therapy to make sure that that your mental health is okay. Um, Or just depending on what you're going through. Like when I first got married, for example, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, it's like been such a blessing. Um, And my husband is awesome. Shout out. Shout out. Alhamdulillah. But like, you know, you're going through those adjustments and then you're meeting people who are also like, either going through that process or they're first getting married and and you you can't help like you feel certain emotions certain ways because you're like oh we just had an argument about something like that (laughs) or like you know like it comes up for you and like sometimes so like you have to work work on that stuff for yourself to make sure you're being objective with the person and recognize that you're a human and like us Khalil Center staff we consult with each other all the time you know, hey, this person came in, what do you think about this? Or I was feeling this way. And sometimes that person just will give you some support or like, yeah, that's difficult. And as a professional, you have to recognize you have limits. Like it's very important. If if you're not in a good mental state, you probably shouldn't be seeing certain patients um, mm. or seeing patients at all until you take care of yourself because um, it, it can really, it can impact your work. It can impact your patients. Um, and so, yeah, I'll have things come up where I'll be like, oh, that person reminds me of, like, one of my best friends from high school or something like that. Like, but you have to check yourself because then you're like, oh, am I feeling this way to you? Or am I feeling sort of annoyed with you because you're reminding me of something? That's called 
counter transference in like the psychodynamic world is like, okay. well, what is this person bringing out in you? And how is that impacting how you're interacting with mm. them? Um, so I think it's about being aware and like checking yourself on it so that it doesn't impact your treatment. I wanted to talk about, because you brought up trauma. Yes. And with Arab men, at least, the trauma of showing emotion and all that. But I can say something really quickly on that, though. The, the trauma? Yeah. I think that from the Arab men that I've worked with, I, I work primarily with women, and that's something like Khalil Center, they try to match on gender because they know people are just more comfortable that way. I find, and, and even research shows this too, like there's certain emotions that are more culturally acceptable for men. Mm -hmm. And primarily that emotion is anger. Mm -hmm. That when something happens, when you're going through a difficulty, I've met with men who are you know, refugees from Syria. They had these really high-level positions there and had to leave everything behind. And they're working in these really tough spots right now. And it's hard for them to think about expressing or showing that sadness mm -hmm. or expressing or showing that fear. And a lot of times it just comes up in the way that that we feel like is culturally permissible to show, which is through anger, which is through rage. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, helping people see that, you know, underneath that rage, there might be some other emotions down there that you haven't expressed before that might feel really uncomfortable is really eye-opening for people um, to see and to see that you can show that and that that is healthy and that is okay. And I feel like that's most helpful for, like, when when men really have those relationships amongst each other because I think that, like, what I see, you guys even sharing on the show, like, that vulnerability together and, like, seeing that, um, you know, this is something okay to share, I think is something so beautiful because a lot of times, not that there's anything wrong with anger, but we know it can also, it can be destructive. It can really harm relationships. Um, but a lot of times like underneath that, it's like, yeah, I felt really hurt by this or I felt so sad or so scared. And that just made me so mad. Mm -hmm. And so that, Dang, that's me. I do get that, that anger is really oftentimes secondary wow. to another emotion, like feeling scared or feeling really sad or hurt. Yeah, sadness, grief. There's these certain emotions seen as weak. They're suppressed and they're punished. Mm -hmm. Literally to this day, I have problems showing sadness, showing grief, being like gentle and kind. Like mm -hmm. that's hard for me. It's strange, but because I can actually be vulnerable and talk about my shortcomings and all that, but to show these emotions, it's like literally I can I can barely bring them out. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. Like, it's, it's hard to access them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and yeah, you said it's often punished. It's like, stop crying. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, boys don't cry. Exactly. Exactly. Once you're seven years old, like, you're Zalama. You can't, Yeah. you know. See, I like that because you guys are looking at all the factors of mental health. Mm -hmm. Where spirituality is one mm -hmm. factor, an important factor. There's your diet, exercise, relationships, your career, your passion. Right. Incorporating all those. That makes so much more sense than just like focusing on just the one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like That's we would really never decision. ask somebody to like make dua about their diabetes <laughs> or about <laughs> like That's a very good well, point. <laughs> why why don't you just pray more and your high blood pressure That's such will a good point. well blood pressure. I don't know. That could be related so to So do you want to just like quickly give us give an advice to our listeners and if they are having these kind of problems you know what they should what, what should they do yeah. or what are, how should they address these things or what are some 
maybe some tangible habits or processes they can pick up to like improve their absolutely yeah i mean i would say you know take a step back and try to identify what are really some of the the problems that you've been seeing for yourself what are some of the difficulties um and uh, oftentimes it's that we have lost connection with things that that once brought us joy or maybe you have been through a difficult loss or a difficult change and you're having trouble adjusting to it. Um, with, with every new phase of life that you go through, it's going to bring on new challenges. It's going to bring on new stressors. It's going to even um, impact maybe part of your identity and how you're thinking about yourself. So, I mean, number one, I will say, please don't hesitate to reach out for help, whether that's talking to a friend or someone you trust about it. Uh, I want to say again, you know, the more we talk about these things, we realize so many people go through them. So many people go through them that people will say, you know, I went to my friend and I talked to her about how I was feeling. And she said she's been, she's felt depressed too. You know, she went through this too, and this is what helped her. So reach out to the people that you care about. um, Reconnect with things that help you feel good about yourself. Uh, We live in a culture that's so much about work, 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 and achievement, and we have pressure from our parents, we have pressure from our society, uh, but taking care of yourself is very important too. So so reconnect with things, take some time for yourself, um, you know, maybe reconnect with an old hobby, something that you care about. Uh, make sure that the, your basics are in order. So when I first start working people, with people, I talk to them, how's your sleep? How's mm, your eating? How's really your, important. you know, are you drinking water? These things important. seem very basic, but sleep impacts so much and diet impacts so much. And so if you're not taking those basic steps to take care of yourself, people will say, oh, yeah, well, I work so much. You know, sometimes I don't have time to grab lunch. Okay, so you're you're not hydrating your body. You're not feeding yourself. You're trying to do all this stuff and you're not even getting your basic nutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a part of caring for yourself. So um, look at the basics and start somewhere small. Start with a small goal. That's another thing is um, a lot of times it was just New Year's. We we take on these big goals for ourselves. Start with a small change for yourself, um, you know, of maybe getting back into uh, trying to exercise once a week yeah. and getting back into something that makes you feel good. Or maybe you like art. Take some time to, to paint or to just color, you know. Those very basic, what, what are called now those self-care activities. Or set a bedtime for yourself. Um, so that you're yeah. getting the right amount of sleep. So a simple thing. And and again, like, you know, if, if you need some help, go, go see someone. Just talk to them. Um, uh, like I said, a lot of insurance plans now cover mental health. If you're a student, your school will cover it. Um, or talk to your doctor about some affordable options, too. I know people have some financial barriers as well, but there are resources out there. Um, you mm-hmm. could also re- reach out to uh, Khalil Center or to me if you have questions. So uh, Khalil Center, it, it, we do offer some online um, sessions. If you're in the state of Illinois or California, we can do online therapy. Um, if you're not, we can do what's called some online coaching just to help you kind of make a plan for yourself, see what you need, maybe get you to a therapist in your area. Um, but you can visit our website at khalilcenter.com. You can shoot me an email at imanmusa@khaliacenter.com if you have any questions. Yeah, um, I'm open to that, and I really am passionate about it and um, about helping people get connected to the resources they need. We're gonna link your stuff. We're gonna, we're we're gonna link your stuff. Okay, just one last question, and mm-hmm. then we can wrap up. Um, I'm always like fascinated by someone's inspiration, like why they chase, you know, their dreams or, or where they end up. 
So what made you want to take this path of being a psychologist? I never, I didn't know like since, since I was a kid that I wanted to do this, but I always knew that um, I really just liked working with people. And um, I knew in our community that there was this missing link of when people were struggling, we tended to write it off or to just ignore it. Mm-hmm. And learning about psychology was just so eye-opening for me that there's this whole field. A lot of it was inspired by my personal story. And I know you, you've talked about this on the show before, but I relate to what you're saying, Mohammed, um, about growing up, especially in a post-9-11 world. I was 11 years old when September 11th happened. And um, it really changed the way people saw Arabs and saw Muslims. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, when you're in middle school and high school, you're trying to assimilate. You're trying to just go with the flow, be like everyone else. Um, but I found that, you know, there were a lot of things. First of all, I learned that a lot of people who I thought were my friends, they bullied me a lot. They said things about being Arab. They said things about being Muslim. My personality is I'd laugh it off. But when I really, when I got to college, I learned more about myself. I said, you know, like, this is actually, I'm starting to, like, hate that part of myself, you know, mm-hmm. that that is actually something that is so beautiful. That, And that's part of my research on Islamophobia is, like, there's so many negative messages about Islam. And without even realizing it, we start to feel, not, not hate it, but that's maybe a strong word, but we start to feel maybe embarrassed to talk about our religion. We start to feel like it's difficult to tell people, oh, I have to, excuse me, I have to go pray before sure. this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So learning about embracing the beauty of my culture, embracing the beauty of my religion, and that struggle actually, how that impacts your health day to day, that's very important. I met some excellent mentors in college um, who work a lot with the black community and black racial identity and um, coping with discrimination. And that was just a whole new world for me. So I'm. this is a long way to answer your question, but really helping people to embrace their identity in a time when that wasn't necessarily embraced by our broader culture uh, mm-hmm. was something that really drove me. And then now, you know, alhamdulillah, like one thing just leads to another. I met different people and I landed at Khalil Center and that opened my eyes to all the other issues that are going on in our community that we don't talk about and how I could use my knowledge of psychology and apply that to to Arabs and to Muslims, it inspires yeah. me. Alhamdulillah. That's beautiful. Using your struggle as an inspiration. I wanted to thank Iman for listening to us, helping us get through our own problems. I want to thank you guys for having me. This was a really great discussion. No, this was really good. Yeah. I think this was productive. This was meaningful. You know, this is what it's about right here. Being vulnerable. It can be difficult. It can be embarrassing. And it's, t- it's tough for me to share some things sometimes, too. So, you know, glad you're here to listen. Someone with some expertise, shed some knowledge and some light. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. That's it. That thank is you all for listening. Uh, Muhammad. And Dr. Iman Musa. <laughs> oh, wait, say your name, say your name. We can edit it. Iman Musa. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. <laughs>